0: listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of greenbiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. Now, here's Green Biz Executive Editor,
1: Joel McHour. Last April, the Home Depot, which calls itself the world's largest home improvement retailer, introduced Eco Options, a classification system that allows customers to easily identify products that have less of an impact on the environment. Home Depot identified more than 3,000 eco-options products that fall into one of five categories – clean air, energy efficiency, healthy home, sustainable forestry, and water conservation. I spoke with Ron Jarvis, Home Depot's Senior Vice President of Environmental Innovation, to get an update on eco-options after its first six months. Let's start with uh, a little background about how did eco-options begin? Who drove that within Home Depot, and what was the goal? Well, I look at the, the predecessor for eco-options was actually a
0: program called e Plus. And E-Plus was a program that we rolled out in 2000 around the energy crunch. And E-Plus was all about saving energy. And with that program, we pushed... Um, CFLs, of course, programmable thermostats, all the products that we have that save energy. Now, when the energy crunch lightened up a little bit, we saw the demand for those products um, uh, slow down. So with that, we basically stopped the E-plus program. But as far as promoting the products, buying products that have less of an impact on the environment, making sure that we've kept tabs, I mean, we kept kept uh, records and tabs basically since... Um, 2000 and prior to that is as early as 1991-92 on products that we have inside the company that we consider to be have a less of an impact on the environment than the standard products. So whether it's recycled carpet pad, whether it's recyclable carpet, whether it's low VOC paints, all those products we've kept tabs on over the years. So when someone called us and said, I want to build a project that's a green project or I want to do something for my, uh, you know, child's playroom or bedroom. What products do I use? We had that information here. Now, as we saw the momentum picking up for products that did have less of an impact on the environment, and a lot of it was, you know, centered around global warming. We looked at it in Canada. The Canadian division rolled out uh, the Eco Options first in 2004, and had. You know, really good traction, uh, had some good sales on the products that they rolled out, and we watched the American consumer. And so last year we said it's time for us to, to really identify the products we have in the store that can be
1: considered to be Eagle Options products and make the consumer aware that we have them. So is this something where you were done market the market research and, and customers were telling you that this is what they wanted?
0: no no we we did notice when we would have um, town halls with their customers and and surveys with their customers and ask them about uh, green products that they were they were interested in them but as far as coming in our stores and asking for the products we didn't see it a lot then so it wasn't something that marketing reports came back and said it's time for you guys to get in we had an intuitive feel for marketing and understanding the consumer base and we felt it was time for us to make these products, you know, more visible to the consumer.
1: So, what was driving this from from a business perspective? Is this to move more product, or is this to bring people into the store who might not otherwise come, or is it primarily to to, to give a, a, a sort of a greener look to the to all of Home Depot's offerings?
0: Well, it's it's first and foremost, it was to satisfy, you know, the future demand that we think is going to be there for the consumers, and. Since we've, you know, been working on these products, we've been carrying products similar to these, and, and some of these products that are eco options we have carried for a while. We felt it was time to get these in front of the consumers and and educate them on what the benefits of these are. I mean, if 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 we're looking at trying to reduce global warming, you know, worldwide, and we're selling products that can do that, then we owe it to the consumers to get those products in front of them and educate them on what they can do.
1: So how's it working? Give me a little status report.
0: Well, it's the ones that we put, you know, the most emphasis on, uh, which I think is is easier for the consumers to adapt to, our products like programmable thermostats, uh, ceiling fans, uh, CFLs, compact fluorescent lighting. Those sales are up. Air sales of CFLs are up 75 percent uh, this year versus last year, and last year they were up about fifty percent. So some tremendous uh, inroads on these products that we've made and getting those, you know, into the consumer's hands. One thing that I've and I've been working on this issue as far as environmental side at, at Home Depot since two thousand, is that it has to be a market based solution. You cannot ask the consumer to completely change their lifestyle and to pay more for products than they normally would to just have less of an impact on the environment. And that's one of the things that we've worked with our suppliers for many years. And when I sit down with suppliers, which I do every day, and they say, all right, here's a product that's going to replace product X, but it doesn't perform quite as well and it's 25% more in cost, we basically send them back to the drawing board and say, this isn't going to work. Come back to us with a product that performs as good or better than the standard product, has less of an impact, and is at the same cost.
1: Are there any product categories that aren't faring that much better now that they're being highlighted as green?
0: Well, if you look at um, some of the products that we have, uh, insulation, sealing, those type products, a lot of customers understood the impact of those. I mean, just the the fact that you're buying uh, caulk and sealing to seal the cracks and and, uh, crevices that you might have in your house that are sweating the cold air or hot air in, those products are pretty much status quo. We're not seeing a big lift in those. The products that that have a tremendous impact that's, that's almost visible overnight. When you, when you change out your five most used incandescent bulbs to CFLs, you're gonna save about $60 in the first year. Now, the additional cost from an incandescent to five CFLs is about $5 total. Consumers understand that they can do the math and they're ready to step up to the plate and make the change there because they know that they benefit in two ways. They benefit with less of an impact on the environment and first and foremost, they save money.
1: It seems that in the past, at least, and I don't think it's changed all that much, that consumers need a lot of education even to make that little calculus that you just described, that they don't really want to pay extra or they don't see the value of a lot of these things, um, or in some cases, uh, they don't trust the fact that it's really green, or even even worse, I guess, is that if it says it's green, it may be inferior in some other ways. Uh, do you, are you finding those challenges in, in getting people to really look at green products as, as quality and comparable and offering all the other kinds of benefits that, that, that conventional counterparts do?
0: No, I, I think that's a great point. And we, when I think back to 2000, 2001, 2002, when we were you know, occasionally pushing stuff out, um, under whatever environmental marketing claim that our supplier was bringing to us, if they were bringing it to us saying, this makes the sky bluer and the grass greener, and it costs 15% more, um, that was almost a no-sell overnight. Customers would just, number one, they wouldn't buy into the, uh, to the claim, and number two, they would not pay more for it. We're seeing more acceptance today where consumers come in, and it's like organic milk. Consumers come in and they wouldn't pay $1.50, $2 more per gallon organic milk, where today they do because through whether they've educated themselves or they've been educated just through exposure through different types of media, they're understanding some of the impacts of chemicals, understanding the impacts of carbon on the environment, things like that. So it's it's the education of the consumers, it's slow, it's very slow. But we're seeing more and more of it and the ones that are educated are a pretty easy sale as far as stepping up or stepping over to a product that has less of an impact.
1: Do you have any idea where that education is coming from? It's coming from, uh,
0: you know, a lot of it's the media. It's coming a lot from the web, a lot of the magazines, look at the latest, um, you know, National Geographic, it's talking uh, The headlines is global warming. So every newsstand you go to, they're seeing it more and more. We ourselves are trying to educate the consumers, I'm not sure if you've seen our website, but our website it's more about education than it is about selling of the product. So if we can educate the consumer, we think they will buy the right product. And is that the Home Depot.com or is there a special website? No, it's Home Depot.com. And if you scroll to the bottom of that page, there's a link there that says Eco Options.
1: <laughs> and when you
0: click on that link, um, it'll take you into the whole Eco Options website. And tremendous stuff on there. We've got energy audits, home audits, uh, 10 things you can do to make your house greener. Uh, really good information we also try to educate the consumer on what we sell how much we've sold and the impact of just the products that they've bought through the home depot has had on the environment why do you do that i think that consumers get lost in the in the fact of the numbers and they say i'm just one person out of 300 million and i can't make a difference but what we're showing is if they do change their buying habits and it's not going to change your lifestyle you're not any more uncomfortable you're not uncomfortable if you have a house full of CFLs versus incandescents you're just having less of a carbon footprint and that's the education that we're trying to push out there to say you know you can make small changes and the small changes that you've made this year or last
1: year together collectively as only both customers this has been the impact let's talk a little bit about how these products become eco options products um, you were famously quoted in the New York Times of saying that uh, last spring, I guess, that most of what you see today in the green movement is voodoo marketing. Um, you know, and I've certainly been watching this space uh, for 20 years. Um, I wrote the book The Green Consumer back in 1989, so I've been watching this as well. And 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 I'm curious, from uh, you know, as you're at the receiving end of of these product claims and and pitches from various vendors. How are you able to sort through that, and what standards are you using? Even the 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 in, initial, the first cut standard that you just um, you know take it through. Are there some key questions that you're asking?
0: Yes, and it depends on the product. There there are key questions that we ask. We basically, if you look at the the buckets that we have, the five buckets, sustainable forestry. And I'll just go through the buckets. Sustainable forestry. The only certification that we're accepting there is FSC. Now personally and I don't know how much you've studied forestry and and certification over the past few years but if you're in North America and you have SFI or CSA in most cases you are just as sustainable as FSC but when you're looking outside the borders of North America you have to have a chain of custody or otherwise I'm just not comfortable with where the product comes from so for us sustainable forestry is FSC certified wood so that's in my mind, low-hanging fruit. We don't have to go out and reestablish the certification. We don't have to set a new standard. We just adopt that one. Energy efficiency. Uh, Most of the products we have under that bucket are Energy Star, and the reason that we did that is, is if you look at the amount of time and energy and effort that the EPA has put into establishing that, and they make changes, you know, over the years to include or subtract products from the category. so it's kind of being managed itself. There's also some that we put in there that are not uh, energy star products, but just by nature, like solar lights. We don't ask for different types of certification on solar lights, but just by the fact that it's a solar light, we consider it to be eco options. And you know, those are the type as we go through that um, water conservation, low flow toilets, low flow showerheads. There's there's a, a water was it water sense group. That's uh, being formed by the EPA. That you know we will probably adopt some of their standards as they roll it out. But today, it's just basically of, a reduction of water consumption is what we're looking at there.
1: So you're managing with each, within each of those to, to find. I don't think enough. I think you're finding enough products. The question is, is, are you finding the good ones and sorting that out?
0: Well, it's. Uh, I wish we had uh, you know more products to bring and. The problem with this is you'll sit down with a supplier who spent, you know, months, thousands, maybe millions of dollars of coming up with a product that they think is environmentally friendly. Um, Just uh, yesterday, not yesterday, but um, Tuesday morning, I sat down with our group, and we started going through products that have been brought to us for, you know, potential eco options, and one of those was organic soil. So I started looking into the organic soil, and I said, let's look at their, their marketing claims. It, it kind of makes sense. You would think organic is good, um, although we're pushing everybody that's bringing organic products to get the OMRI certification, but do you really need that in the soil? And as we looked at it, I said, so what are the marketing claims? And they said, well, the marketing claims are that there's no chemicals used to manufacture this product. I said, okay, but there's no chemicals to use any, to manufacture any soil. Uh, the second one is there's no trees had been cut to, uh, manufacture this product, and I said, but there's usually not trees cut when you're you're bagging soil. So little things like that, and the the company itself thought that they had a home run that there would be eco options overnight, and they were denied. So it's it's they're going back to the drawing board now. And one of the things that I have tried to do is to keep the stuff that's just uh, a no-brainer. Like if it's a natural product, somebody comes in with a rock or a brick or a stone or a piece of wood, and they say it has to be equal options because it's natural we're not even going down that path, so we don't we don't get into the natural manufactured products versus non-natural manufactured products as far as replacement goes, but we do look at different types of, if somebody comes in with a PVC versus a plastic versus a uh, wood paint handle, then we do look at the three of those and say, okay, which one has less of an impact on the environment?
1: Chances are it's the wood paint handle. I'd imagine at this point that, that there are some things that you wish that product or that vendors knew before they came to you with their products in hand saying please please can this be eco options what's some of the advice that you want to give companies in the terms of the way they pitch green whether it's to you directly or, or to the customer that you think would be helpful for, for everybody
0: I think that the most important thing they can do is to do a life cycle analysis
1: of their product
0: and compare that to the like products in their industry If they do that, and then they come to me and say, here's the lifecycle analysis of my product versus product X, then that makes my decision much quicker, much easier. And it really gives them a clear understanding of what they're trying to do. Uh, We have uh, companies that come to us with, uh, for instance, bamboo flooring out of China. And they're saying that if you can sell in Atlanta bamboo flooring versus oak or maple flooring, it has less of an impact on the environment. But if you look at what happens in the, in the production and the shipping and logistics of shipping bamboo flooring to Atlanta versus maple flooring out of the hills of, of Georgia,
1: it's a tremendous impact. So LCAs are hard and expensive, and there's no, I don't think, any standard about even L, what constitutes an LCA. Is there some particular way of doing LCA's that, that you think is meaningful and, and it's also not extraordinarily burdensome on the company? No, because we've
0: we've seen the same thing that other people have. Um, you know, it, do you include everything in the LCA? Do you just do the logistics? Do you just do the packaging? Um, do you do up until the point that it's sold? Or do you do the LCA all the way through what the consumer does when they're finished with the product? Um, if, and you asked me what, if... Any vendors can come in what I would want for them to bring. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But if they look across those lines, what what I don't like is to be sitting in a meeting and ask a supplier a question about a part that could be considered to be part of the LCA and them not have a clue. When I talk about the, the production or if I talk about the distribution or if I talk about the shipping, the distance of shipping from Russia to Maine or from um, Burlington, Vermont to Maine, what are the differences there and why would your product be considered less of an impact on the environment? I would just want them to know all those answers. Now, coming back with an official LCA from a third-party company, that's you know, that's not necessarily required, but knowing the answers that go into an LCA you know, is preferred.
1: What would you like to see happen that would make this whole process easier? I would love to
0: see a labeling program that looks at the, it'd have to be LCA, because I can't think of another way to to do it, that looks at the LCA of all the products, and products are rated, you know, A-plus to D-minus, based on their impact on the environment, life cycle analysis, and alternatives inside of that industry. So, if I'm walking through an aisle and I pick up a product and it's rated uh, a and the only reason it's rated a B-minus is because it's shipped from China to the U.S., but it's manufactured out of the right products, it's manufactured on restricted standards, and it has virtually no impact on the environment except for the shipping, then I understand that. I see a B-minus with a truck beside it, and understand that that's what caused it. Because the way it is today, when you sit down with the average consumer and you try to talk about low VOC paints versus organics versus uh, certified wood, Everyone just gets a glassy look on their face and says,
1: this is a little more than I want to know. So these kinds of labeling schemes have been uh, talked about and and launched and failed since, uh, well, at least 1990. Um, Do you see any chance that this could actually happen these days?
0: I think that as it becomes more and more of a, a topic of conversation among the average American consumer and average world consumer, that the chances of it happening are much better now
1: than it was 10 years ago. Is this something that Home Depot can do on its own? I'm not talking about the labeling. I'm talking about you know, really educating the market and, and trying to create bigger markets for some of these uh, greener products. Is this something that, that, that one chain, as big as it is, can do on its own? Or is it going to take other retailers coming together to really push these things out in a meaningful way?
0: I think that we can get it started. <clears throat> I don't think that we can do it all, but I think the little things, um, like we're we're now doing do-it-yourself clinics where you come in and you learn how you can save energy inside your home. Uh, we're going to implement more of those in 2008, where you learn how to, you know, why use low VOC paints versus other. Uh, why save? What's the, you know, the, the emphasis on saving energy? We're we're just batting around a lot like that. We're looking at our website, although it's very educational. We want to take it to another level, and almost like a Wikipedia of green green issues. If you've got a, a green issue with construction, remodeling, or repairing your home, you go to the Home Depot website and there is every answer you possibly imagine. And it's supplied not by Home Depot, but by people in the industry that understand the issues.
1: What role do employees, uh, Home Depot employees play in helping to educate consumers? Are they themselves trained on green products? Well, we we have products, we have programs now, training programs that we're sending out, uh, we've been doing that for the
0: past year. We have roadshows, uh, updates, we have uh, media blasts that go out to the stores. So, you know, we want the orange apron to understand, you know, the the issues around environmental movements.
1: Do you think that that's something that, that they're excited about, and that will help maybe even keep keep them around a little bit longer? Yes, we just had a contest called Scream If You're Green where we asked all the associates to send in and
0: tell us why they're the greenest associates at Home Depot. It's amazing some of the things that are happening out there inside of our our Home Depot associate base. I mean, we have some of the greenest people in the world
1: that are even living off the grid working for Home Depot. And these are grassroots initiatives that they're, they're doing on their own in their lives or possibly in, in their stores, but not driven by any company policy.
0: No, these are individual choices that they've made. But the good news is in the stores that they work in, they're, it's being implemented throughout the store. It's contagious inside that store.
1: So, so how do you propagate that?
0: Uh, we've actually had an award uh, ceremony. Uh, they've won prizes, uh, videos. They're part of Same uh, Page, which is a program that we send out. Highlighting them, uh, we've got special things that we're working on now to get them more and more in front of the average associate, so they see that you know some of their peers are not only walking the talk, but they're actually doing everything they possibly can.
1: And, and do you do you see that? Uh, do you have any sense that that goes towards um, recruitment or retention or, or any other you know, human resource goals?
0: Oh yes, no, we actually have um, some of the listings on new hires that we have listing some of the reasons that they've joined Home Depot is because of our environmental stance,
1: which we see that as an extremely strong process. Do you have any numbers on that? Uh, no. No. Mm-hmm. But but you're saying that some significant number cite that as a reason?
0: Yes.
1: And is that, a, is that a something they're checking off a list, or is that something they're coming up unaided? No, that's something that's coming up unaided. And the good thing about that is we
0: want more of those people to join the company, because when they do, then we know that they're going to be helping us drive it on the grassroots side. Mm-hmm.
1: Inside the stores. so so how much do you think consumers really want to go out of their way to buy greener? I mean how uh, how far do you think they're willing to to bend to make greener choices?
0: Not very far.
1: It has to it has
0: to match their current lifestyle, and the cost can't be um, a lot more. It could be more than five percent. We did a test and we had, this was on certified wood, but we put up all the reasons why certified wood is good and we didn't put anything beside the non-certified wood. Same skew, it was on two before eight studs. Same item and we priced the certified wood and we even had a person standing there for the first week explaining to the customer why they would want to buy this wood. You know, it's, it's 100% sustainable, it comes from no endangered forests, it's no old growth, everything's checked all the way through the customers would listen to us and then they would buy the cheaper wood until it got to a two percent increase or decrease only a two percent increase then would they make the switch
1: so prices is, is paramount yes i guess we'll leave it at that thank you ron for your time i really appreciate it you've been
0: listening to green biz radio For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit GreenBiz.com.